there and welcome to Golf Lovers United, where we discuss golf the fair way. And what an episode we have today, despite the absence of our longtime friend and the Fox Mulder of the golfing world. That is, of course, Mr. Ben at Golf Lover UK. He's out traveling the world, seeking out the world's worst golf courses, tweeting about them and getting free rounds for everyone. If you're wondering what the heck I'm talking about, go and check out at Golf Dad UK over on Instagram. But of course, I'm joined as usual with Jay at Pro Golf Critic. And we're going to go into that really fascinating live team championship as won by none other than Crushers. And perhaps even more interestingly, we're going to spend a little bit of time on the rumor mill because only today as we record this, we've had something that may be pivotal, something that may not be pivotal, but that's why it's called the rumor mill. So stick around for that as we get through this episode. If you enjoy the show, check out last week's episode where we talked about SNC strength and conditioning in a fantastic interview that Ben did with personal trainer and golf enthusiast Jamie Greaves. Episode 10 is available now in Spotify, Apple, and of course at glugc.com. And if you like the show, let us know. If you hate the show, let us know. It's just as much fun over on Twitter at glu. Golf Club. I'm Mark at Golf Dad UK, and without further ado, let me bring on Jay. How are you, my friend? You've had a you've had quite the whirlwind couple of weeks out there in Miami, and 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 and, and be following your antics over on the grammar as well. So, how's that been, mate? All right. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, it's been kind of a whirlwind last couple of weeks. Um, a fair amount's happened the last couple of weeks. Uh, it's sort of. You know, it's kind of funny whenever you're on the ground um, at a live event, uh, especially me now uh, nowadays, because I am getting I'm starting to get recognized more and more. I think people see my uh, see me in my uh, four aces hat and uh, kind of flag me <laughs> me down. I was taking pictures with, with folks. It was actually kind of a little bit of a surreal experience and also just having various like players, you know, seek me out and sort of thank me for my contributions to the conversation about live and professional golf and sort of the things that I've, that I've written about um, all of the sort of takes that I've had, like that's, it was really validating for me, but um, you know, this, the show is, isn't about me. It's about golf. It's about professional golf. It's about the future of professional golf. So we have a lot to, uh, to talk about. So yeah, it was a great time though. Good, good, good. I also saw you got eyeballed by DJ at the press conference. You sat there. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> I did. It was it was surreal. I mean, it was one of those things where so the press was sort of getting, you know, seated. I, I decided to uh, sit next to uh, uh, to my my colleague uh, uh, Teddy from Luck- Luckiest Golfers. He was sitting front row. Uh, we didn't exact, exactly know how, uh, sort of the seating arrangements were going to, going to work. It just happened to be, I was sitting right in front of DJ and I had my high flyers hat on to support, uh, Phil because they, they had just come off the course and, uh, high flyers obviously won their, uh, competition against smash. Um, and <laughs> literally I'm not even thinking about the hat that I have on at the time and DJ's just kind of eyeballing. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, I have my uh I have my high high flyers hat on. So I take off the hat and he literally like 30 seconds later picks the high flyers to play in the matches the following, following day, which they obviously won. So um I was back in my four aces hat the next day, <laughs> which was um, you know, obviously the aces are my uh, team and obviously I'm always going to support Phil and the high high flyers, but you know we always have to have priorities and obviously the aces are, are my squad and you know so uh, yeah it, it was a great uh, great presser. Um, it's always really interesting being a part of the sort of press core at, at one of these events because it's really a motley crew of folks. I mean you have people that are sort of golf inf- influencers and you have people that are more traditional press, like uh, people from golf week and golf digest and ESPN and sports illustrated and all that uh, golf channel. Um, and then you have people like, like me that, that sort of uh, what I like, like to call new golf media where, you know, it's not something that's really a career for me. It's something where it's obviously just, just some, something where I'm independent, but uh, yeah, it's always kind of an interesting thing interacting with, you know, folks, um, I know Ben has had his own 
very interesting <laughs> um, interactions with more traditional golf media, as have I. Um, I've heard through various rumor mills that I am somewhat hated in the traditional golf media space, which I honestly don't mind. I think it's, I'm totally fine, fine with that. But um, it is really interesting to sort of be a part of that conversation. So, uh, yeah, proud to be uh, proud to be rep- representing Golf Lovers United. Uh, proud to be rep- representing myself um, in the espressors and uh, just having the opportunity to ask questions to, you know, players that I've uh, followed for, you know, years and years and years. And uh, yeah, it was really a really great time. So good, man. I was thinking in these kind of situations, when you're doing something like this, you know, whether it's a podcast, whether it's your writing that you do, which, which a lot of people follow, I, I'm a firm believer in it's better to be hated than to be not noticed. And and I always say this to people that uh, at work, you know, I, I, I work in podcasting, I work in audio, I, I, I work in this, this audio space and also a massive golf enthusiast as well, which is how we ended up here. But I always talk about this idea of, just not being the great person, you know, not being the person that no one notices, not being the wallflower. And and there's going to be people that you piss off. There's going to be people that hate you. There's going to be people that love you. And you, you, I think there's a fine line between contrarian for the contrarian sake or being contrarian because it needs a bit of contrarianism to actually get out of a fair and diverse range of views. And I, I, I find that, especially in the world today, you get so many people that are trying to be influencers that are just contrarian for the sake of it. They're not really doing anything factual. They're not really doing anything that is um, opinion-based yet data-backed. You know, we know your background is, is an analyst. Like, everything you do is backed by data, which I think is amazing. Um, so I love that, mate. And, and one question I'm going to ask you, which is very, very, it's very, very timely. Um, you mentioned the press conference. I just listened to Gary Williams of Five Clubs podcast with uh, with Alan Shipnook. I just listened to that just today. Uh, he's got the Live and Let Die book out, uh, which I think will be interesting to read. Goes into quite a lot of depth on that one. One thing he did mention, and he, he, he coins the phrase new media. I mean, new media, is, the phrase has been around for such a long time anyway, that it's sort of just media now, which is wild. But the the idea that, that, that Alan Shipnook brought to, to Gary Williams was that actually there's a lot of traditional media and even some new media potentially um, that simply refuse to go and refused to go to the live events, which I think is wild given the influence that live has, whether, whether you like it, whether you hate it, whether you agree with it, disagree with it, it, it's there. It's big enough to wield power. It's big enough to wield influence to the point where even things like the BBC news website just has a live section now, which it didn't, what, six months ago. So do you, have you, have you, how have you noticed that change? Have you seen more and more people turning up at these events that maybe wouldn't have gone? Or is that, do you think that divide's still there? What's the, what's that climate like on the ground at the minute? Yeah, you know, the divide is definitely still there. You know, that's some, something that I sort of tapped into very early on in this whole, you know, process. And I was, I was actually there, uh, sitting next to, uh, Live Golf Nation. Shout out to, uh, to him. Um, we were actually talking about, the origin of the corrupt golf media while we were <laughs> while we we're actually sitting ne- next to each other in one of these press conferences. And I will give him credit. I'm going to publicly do this. We went back in the tweets. He was the first person ever to mention corrupt golf media. So shout out to live, live golf nation. I got to give him credit. Uh, but I will say that, uh, you know, I, I think there's definitely a few uh, sort of forces at, at play here. One of the things that I've noticed, and um, I honestly can't blame them, is the, the fact that I, I do think that Liv has sort of noticed uh, folks in the golf media who have been particularly particularly biased and particularly negative against them from the beginning. Um, I think that that has been pretty obvious and sort of clear to sort of anybody paying attention. Then uh, there, there's been others that have sort of called things a little, uh, a little more down the middle. Um, I know we uh, talked to uh, Jerry Fultz about that, you know, earlier in the year, uh, where we uh, talked about folks that that have been a little, little bit more fair to live, and I think that that's really anyone that is part of the the sort of traditional golf media. That's kind of uh, to me, in order to be fair, like that's you 
do have to report unbiasedly. I, I think it's a really, really important thing. And I, I think there's not enough of that in this sort of new age of uh, media, unfortunately. So, no, I do think that there are some outlets that uh, refuse to cover. I think that there are uh, more and more that are starting to warm up to it, especially because the golf landscape is sort of changing, you know, se- seems like you know, month to month, week to week, day to day. So um, I think that a lot of these media folks need to sort of get out in, in front of that. Like, I, th- I think this is a really important thing because so many were predicting that like live wasn't even going to going to be a thing in 2024 and that allegedly uh, James, Jay Monahan was going to kill live for next next year, which is obviously not going to happen. So, um, and I do think that the um, it's starting to become a little bit more clear sort of how the golf landscape is going to look in the next few years. Um, and I do think that it's important for more and more um, outlets to sort of call Live fairly. And I think if they do that, Live is going to be a little bit more sort of open to inviting, being a little, little bit more open to sort of all um, outlets that aren't necessarily just going to go in order to bash them. Because I know for a fact there's been certain certain outlets that you know, requested credentials and they got denied for, for various reasons. And one of those has been, they've been obviously biased against live from, from the beginning. And it's like, if um, I'm anyone in live communications, like why would I extend that olive branch to those people that I feel like haven't been treating me fa- uh, fairly? So I think that's totally fair. Um, I do think that things are going to, I can see a world where in 2024 things start to sort of relax a little bit. Um, I think that obviously things are changing. I do think that there's going to be more and more press at the live events next year, especially if some of these uh, rumors that we're sort of hearing and sort of (laughs) gathering steam sort of bear out. So, you know, and I do think that the, you know, courses and locations are going to be really interesting for, for next year. I think there's obviously going to be new players. There's going to be new talent. There's going to be new teams. There's going to be people sort of switching teams. And I've already sort of tapped into some, some of that stuff, and I'm uh, happy to sort of share that with our listeners. Um, I'm not under any NDAs at this point, so any information that I gather, um, I am going to anything that I share with with the the listeners. I am going to preface it with, you know, this is a rumor, or this is what I'm hearing, or if there's things that I that I know for a fact are, you know, already on the horizon. Uh, you know, I'm going to preface it with that. So. Want everybody to take everything with a grain of salt, uh, but yeah, there's a lot going on, and uh, yeah, 20, uh, 2024 live season is setting up to be really, really interesting. A little bit interesting stuff, yeah. And we'll get to that rumor mill in just a bit. I think um, you mentioned something there that I'm interested in, which is the landscape smoothing out a little bit. I had a bit of a discussion with Ben on on Twitter actually. Was it yesterday or the day before? And it's. I agree. I think that the landscape will smooth out a little bit because, as you said, Liv's not going anywhere. And, you know, like it or loathe it, it doesn't really matter because you like or loathe the, P- the PGA, the DP World Tour. They all exist, and the goal is for them all to coexist and, and for, for golf to uh, to continue to grow and, and, and to, to just become better as a product. You know, the world the world stage to become more diverse and, and, and much better as a product overall. One of the things that I really struggle with is, like, the tribalism with all this, you know, the tribalism of, and I think we're all guilty of it. You know, I, 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 I'm not excluded. I'm not standing on high and saying, okay, now this is, this is you doing this. I think it's everyone. It's like the tribalism of I am live your PGA. I am PGA your live. Like I, I equate it to almost like Star Wars and Star Trek. I'm a huge Star Wars. I'm a huge pop culture guy, right? If you hate the sequels, then to someone that loves them, it's not just that's cool to have an opinion. It's like, I hate you, I hate your family, and I hope your neighbors like lose their job as well. Yeah? It's that absolutely freaking extreme, man. And I'm seeing this with Liv and PJ on Twitter all the time. It's not like and and but we almost do it like we we can fall into that trap. Like, you know, I'll do it on Twitter, you do it on Twitter, Ben falls into the trap on Twitter. We all do where you, you might tweet something that is okay. Tell me why you don't like it. And then you get the information and you're still like, well, you're wrong. And they're not. They can't be wrong because opinions are opinions. So it's, it's true. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even think there's a question in this, but I, I just see no, that I as, as what, it's a stopper, isn't it? And I wonder if there's 
people like certainly you and Ben that 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 actively write about this, that actively go out and, and seek to help this. Like it's part of our job to go out there and say, look, actually, let's trim the edges, let's get rid of the peaks and the troughs, and let's all just try and become a little bit more centralized here and try and just soften things a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, that was something uh that I wrote about um and, and some something that I I uh, thought was really um kind of an important thing that I wanted to sort of put out there right after the merger happened and um it's it's something that that I feel like is uh uh really important for me that I wanted to get across. Uh you know, look, I feel like I've been fighting a battle um on social social media the past year like it's been exhausting it's been you know uh (laughs) more stressful than i probably would have uh would have liked you know um and i have to sort of uh put my beefs aside and sort of keep that sort of north star that um, i think is really really important and to me that uh north star has always been sort of fighting for what I feel like is the best for uh, global professional golf. Like that's something that I feel like is really, really important to me. Um, and, and feeling like I'm, I've been sort of thrust into the fray of sort of being a part of this uh, conversation. You know, I do feel like, and you know, a lot of people see me as obviously a voice of the live fan, of a voice of sort of the um, anti-establishment, which I'm uh, very, very proud to sort of take that uh, torch. I, th- I think that it uh, uh, it describes me very, very well because I've, I've been sort of anti-establishment pretty much my entire life. <laughs> so uh, just just because I've always been a little bit independent and, and it's like it's one of those things where it doesn't really matter what you tell me, I'm going to make make my own uh, choice, my own decisions. And, and that's a lot of the reasons why, you know, a lot of folks have decided to, you know, follow live and be a, be a fan of live. I think that there's you know, a lot of components to that. I think uh, people are a fan of the players that, that went uh, there's there's certain people that don't get me wrong. There's certain people out there that absolutely hate the the PJ Tour for a variety of reasons. Um, there's a lot of people that hate the the establishment, the golf establishment. There's a lot of people that sort of hate golf culture, especially here in the United States. Um, all of those things sort of coalesce with the sort of advent of live, and I do think that um, it's created this like cool community of folks uh that that have sort of been galvanized by like all of these these various things um you know some of them are you know trump supporters that that have been sort of <laughs> gravitated towards live because we've played a lot a lot of trump courses and uh donald trump's been, been sort of front and center at a lot of events um so i i think all of those things are in play um, and I will say, you know, people have sort of gotten on me, uh, for, <laughs> they, they feel like I'm, I'm getting soft. They, they feel like I'm sort of getting, uh, not as angry as I, I was, you know, three, four months, months ago prior to, uh, to the merger. And that's, that's totally fine. Like that's their opinion, you know, um, except I wanted to put it out there that like my number one thing is, is really trying to reunite the golf world and sort of, uh, trying to influence it in a way that's going to make it um, as good as it can be. And I do think that global golf um, is going to be the beneficiary of everything that sort of happened the last year and a half. Um, And I do think that in the next few years, uh, like, like I mentioned on, on uh, the last podcast two weeks ago, I do think that we're going to be looking at a brand new world of professional golf. It's going to be more global. It's going to be more, uh, way more interesting if you ask me. Like regular run of the mill, sort of fifty weeks of regular PJ Tour events. Like as someone that's been a fan of professional golf for twenty five years, has just been very monotonous. And it's like I started seeking out other tournaments, other tours because I was like, I mean, how how many Honda Classics like can I watch that are like the same course, like the the uh, with a deteriorating field uh, quality o- over the course of the last 10 years, it's like, I mean, I'd, I'd rather watch another tournament for uh, um, a course that I'm not as familiar with, uh, you know. So I think that all of these things are in play. I think that interest is um, on the rise. I think we have all these uh, factions that are driving interest. 
And I think that it's really important for the the powers that be um, in the, the professional golf world that we really need to sort of um, harness all of these sort of new emotions, these new sort of rivalries that have sort of popped up between tours and players. Like, I think it's like very, very critical that, that we actually harness this to make it, uh, to make the professional golf world, uh, you know, uh, as big as it can be. And, you know, one of the, the biggest uh, examples that I kind of go, go back to earlier in the year is the uh, tournament on the Euro- European tour um, in Dubai that's like, you know, it's usually like, yeah, it's an important event on the uh, deep, <laughs> DP World Tour. But the fact that you had this Rory Patrick Reed element to it, like made that tournament like 10 times more interesting than it usually is. So it's like if you're uh, a part of the powers that, that be in golf and you didn't see the interest being drummed up by that and you think, oh, we need to to continue moving here where we ban Patrick Reed from this tournament. Um, and, and the tournament isn't nearly as interesting as, a, uh, as it was last year. Like you really need to like, you probably need to not be running professional golf in that case. So uh, while it's important to uh, acknowledge the uh, divisions that we have, um, I think it's also equally important to sort of use that to galvanize interest in professional golf to make it more interesting, to make it a better product. Cause I, I do think that that's where things are going. And I, uh, I do think that that's uh, sort of where we're going to be in the next few years. So again, we'll have to see how that all pans out. Uh, but I'm very optimistic about, about that. Like, like I've been, been saying from, from the beginning, I know people are starting to poo poo the merger, but I still think that it's still the most likely scenario. Just might take a little bit more to more time, but uh Yeah. So I'm that's what I'm hope, hoping for, that in the next couple of years, we just have a more interesting golf product. Um, and I really do think that that's where things are headed. And I think that directly ties into the rumor mill that, that we have with uh, what's, what's currently going on. Yeah. Um, one thing I think that Liv will benefit from as well is time. Uh, you know, I, yes. I agree. I'm a huge fan of the PGA Tour's legacy and it's I, I will often watch, well, I'm in the UK, Sunday nights, the golf is on, generally speaking. Having said that, the same format gets tiresome. It used to be a case I would sit down and I would watch the golf. Now the golf is on and I'm tinkering, I'm doing something, I'm practicing my putting, I'm on the, you know, doom scrolling on the old, on the cell phone or whatever. And I have to admit that the, you know, let's call them elevated events. You know, whether that is a genuine elevated event as we're seeing them now become, or whether that's like an elevated event in my mind. So, you know, that might be something like um, the waste management, you know, where it's like, okay, every year I tune in, almost like the majors, you tune in, you don't really care that it's the same format as every year because it's a major, it's got legacy, it's interesting, there will be storylines that come out of it. But week by week, meh. You're right. It's there's not that much to see, and I, I think a lot of that for me as well is that the PGA Tour is the most prevalent tour. It's the same golf. If we look at the Ryder Cup and our discussion about the Ryder Cup, very often the DP World Tour and even like, things like the, the 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 Justin Rose Ladies Series on on Sky Sports that comes on on a Tuesday at whatever time or whatever it is, they're often more interesting because it's not just long drive who can get it closest with a wedge, you know, and it's not it's not just pin seeking all the time. And I, so the, it, it's become less interesting because of that. You've took a lot of the big, uh, I don't want to say change makers, but you know, we're out of the tiger era now. There aren't, there are storylines, but they all seem quite individualized. Now it's the story of Jordan coming back. It's a story of Ricky's tumultuous season. It's a story of Justin doing such and such. It's a story of Bryson going away through COVID bulking up and hitting mega distances and then coming back, trimming down, still hitting the distances, Doing the doing the long drive contest and so on. There's not the, the storylines out there. But what I would say as well is, like, I'm interested in live, but I'm not like you guys. And I would equate this to like tech in that there are some bleeding edge adopters of everything, and you you are bleeding edge adopter. I'm an early adopter. I love it, 
I'm really interested. I've been interested in live from day one. And when it was the Premier Golf League before that, I was interested in the story. I was interested in seeing what was going on. I was interested in the Phil story and whatever else, you know, how he was <laughs> maneuvering. Um, the thing that I'm yet to get into as deeply as you guys is the storylines on live. And I think that's what it will benefit from in terms of timing and legacies that three years in, rivalries will have started to happen. Teams will have, you know, the Man City, Man United soccer football rivalry didn't happen day one. It took a hundred years, you know? So it's, I think that's the thing for me that is still missing a little bit from Liv. That's not to poo-poo the format. It's just that I care about Liv as much as I care about the PGA Tour. And I want to elevate the caring of all of these things by being more interested. And the storylines, unless you're as deeply embedded as you are, the storylines for the average viewer like me aren't quite there yet because they're just not they're just not deep enough yeah yeah i mean like the, the worst thing yeah, is probably like bryson and brooks making up <laughs> like screw that like <laughs> be enemies at least do the first year as enemies like you 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 made up a year too early guys <laughs> no that's those, those are all fair uh fair points i definitely think that that live is gonna gonna benefit from time and i think that honestly some of these rival these natural rivalries that have come out of this schism the last couple of years, like people are very much living in the present. Like there, there's also some other popular podcasts that I follow that they're like, Oh, they're like so upset that the landscape is fractured, but it's like, you guys need to see, this is all a chess game. Like you have to see a few steps ahead here. Like, yes, the game does seem very, very fractured now, but it's like, that fracture some sometimes and and this is the sort of anatomy analogy that that I make like you know sometimes you need to break a bone in order to make it stronger so that's where i feel like we are in golf where we've had these various fractures that like if you take some of the animosity that's sort of been galvanized over, over the past uh, a few months couple years like and you could sort of channel that into certain events. I'm going to run through a scenario for you, for you guys, just to sort of try to crystallize this a little bit more. So, let's say for our, for argument's sake, John Rom, uh, he does decide to go to live in 2024, and he decides to become part of this all Spanish fireballs team that has a home at Valderrama in Spain. Let's say that is sort of galvanized over the next couple of years where it's Rom, it's Sergio, it's Eugenio Chikara, and it's David Puj. Uh, and by the way, David Puj going to the fireballs, I've been told it is a done deal. So part of this has already been uh, uh, sort of galvanized. <laughs> So let, let's just, just say it, uh, that happens. There's certainly going to be a little bit of animosity from the PJ Tour contingent that, oh, Rom is a turncoat, like he is, you know, we don't we don't like like him anymore. There's going to be stuff in the press. There's going to be, be fallout from from that 100%. Now, from John Rom's perspective, like he's able to galvanize this like all Spanish team that – uh, if you open up the doors to other events, like in this global golf series that we've been sort of touting for the last, you know, probably month or so, what if he he's able to take that team and like travel to some of these these legacy events, like the Waste Management Phoenix Open? Is that fire? Is that Fireballs team going to get get booed? I know Sergio isn't very well liked in the United States. If he's able to convince John Rahm to come over, come over to his team that animosity is going to be even higher than what it was bef before. And then you, you can start transitioning that over to the Ryder Cup too, where I've proposed that I've felt like a, a future Ryder Cup team could include all four of those guys with maybe, maybe Sergio being a captain with, with Rom leading the charge with uh Pooch and Achikara being like a really formidable four ball team. Like I do think that that's possible. Like all of a sudden, 
the public interest in, uh, in golf, you're able to capture some of that energy that maybe comes from these, this team becoming a little bit more of a sort of traveling, I don't want to call it a traveling circus, but it is in some, some ways where you're going to these various parts of the world now. You have a clear identity with this team. There's emotion around it. There's there would be a huge amount of sort of Spanish pride with this particular team. So if you're traveling to other parts of Europe, you're traveling to the UK, I'm really interested to see a team like Fireballs, like what's the reception going to be with a John Rahm on the team? So um, I think that all of these things could lead to uh, sort of tapping into that sort of pop culture element of sort of casual fans that maybe you could bring into the game a little bit more than, than what they are now. Those are the things people need to look to in the future in two, three years that we could potentially have so much. We, we could potentially have more interest in professional golf than we've ever, ever had. Um, and maybe all of this culminates in the 2025 Ryder Cup um, at Bethpage. Maybe it culminates a couple of years later at a dare manner. I think that this everything in the landscape just it makes things so much more interesting. All the uh, possibilities out there. So if you're a traditionalist, I want you to put that aside. Look, your traditional events are probably still going to be around for the most part. I think there are going to be some casualties moving forward. Except looking at the long-term health of the game, like in a few years, this could be exactly what golf needs to get a younger audience, to get more of an audience, to get more of a global audience. I think that all these things are in play to make professional golf way more interesting and bigger than it's ever been before. So I do think that these things do take a little bit of time to sort of formalize things and sort of develop more rivalries and seeing what happens with the merger, seeing what, what happens with the potential global golf landscape changing in the next, next few years. All of this is in play. Uh, personally, I'm, I'm really, really excited to see how all this plays out over the next few years like i've never been more excited about the the future of professional golf than i am now and you could probably hear it in my voice so this is something that that i'm super passionate about i think it's something that um, everybody needs to sort of think about ways that like the golf world can improve from all this rather than being negative because i know that most golf fans have this Maybe it's something in our DNA, just with our golf games, just being generally negative about anything <laughs> related to golf. If we hit a bad shot, we're really, really negative about it. I want people to try to flip that and try to be optimistic about what the, the future of professional golf could look look like, because I do think that we're headed into some very, very exciting times here. I think the growth of the game with a different audience, I think, is is very, very important. Mate. And I, I love the excitement, the enthusiasm, because it's... I see so many people getting into golf. I'm, I'm reasonably tapped into like the the indoor virtual space in the UK and, and a little bit in the US as well. Um, mainly just through building a sim, and then my toxic trait is that every time I do, if I do something I'm interested, in, I'm like I'm going to build a business and do this for reals. So now I'm like looking for a space to build a fucking sim bar. You know, I want to put like six spaces in there, get a bar and whatever. So I'm actually I'm actually looking for units for that right now, but. The uh, the point that I'm getting at is that a lot of my friends, you know, you've got people that have played golf with me for 20 or 30 years. <laughs> 30 years, which is a, a shock. I know, looking at me, you wouldn't think so, Jay, but 30 years hitting a five iron around a field. And then I've got friends that are just getting into it, right? And they started out by going on a Muni in their work clothes in some with some borrowed clubs. They got addicted to it. They bought their own clubs. They they revere going out on a course no more than they revere going down to an indoor simulator with a beer and getting the pizza and hitting some balls there as well. It's the ex to them. Golf is golf. And sure. They turn up, they respect their, they, they replace their divots. They fix their pitch marks. They wear the right clothes. They wear the joggers. They wear the hoodies. This is a golf hoodie. I've got and, and, and they, so my point is, that that generation of people getting into this now don't necessarily want to join a club like my club that I'm at right now. Lovely club, amazing club. It's in a McKenzie design course. Um, big Heathland place, really, really outstanding course. 
you got to get a frigging referral. You got to go on the board for two weeks. I got told off. I got told off for wearing this very golf hoodie at the course when I bought it from their pro shop. <laughs> and it was by a member, granted. I just said, oh, listen, dude, I got it from the actual pro shop. This is ridiculous. Go away. Um, and it, it, so that it's, but the, the guys, the guys that you're talking about and the, 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 the boys, the girls that are coming up through and wanting to get into golf, to them, there is no distinction. It's golf is golf. If you play it indoors because it's raining, it's virtual golf. Live is interesting to them. The PGA, the heritage of, you know, me telling my daughter about Tiger winning the Masters, the 97, you know, that's great. All it translates to is I'm watching the Masters. I know about this, but I'm not beholden to the PGA. So I think the point that I'm getting at is that everything is generational and everything, you know, look what Tiger did for the game. Look what the big three did for the game, you know, a generation before that or two before that. This is so just another inflection point, isn't it? You know, we all benefit if we get it right. Exactly. People think that because you have new things, all this this legacy stuff goes away, and that's totally not the case. Like, I think that it, um, if anything, if you are continuously growing the game and sort of having these other leagues, other things that are piquing interest, like it's only enhancing the legacy of those great players. Like, you know, looking ahead. Um, ahead sort of 20, 30 years, like seeing someone like, like Tigers won 82 PGA Tour events, like no one's ever going to come close to that. So, and I think that that's only going to increase his uh, legacy. No one's ever, ever going to win um, 82 worldwide events, whether they're live PGA Tour, DP World Tour, it's not going to happen. His legacy is going to elevate substantially because I do think that we're having more competition. We're having more, as you grow golf, you're not going to have this huge gap of talent. Like you're going to have everybody who's in, involved is going to be at a very, very, they're going to be at a higher level uh, in the future than they are now. Because when you have more people participating in golf, you're going to have more golfers. You're going to have more top golfers. And that very, very top is only going to continue to get better. So it's going to be very, very hard to sort of separate your uh, yourself at, at that elite level. And I think that, uh, you know, having all of these sort of new things like like live and then TGL is an, another one that look, I've talked to a lot of live fans. I know people are down on the t- <laughs> TGL for a variety of reasons. Number one being just how team golf has been totally sort of poo pooed by PGA Tour traditionalists and all the. Um, all that. And I do think that honestly, some of those seeds that they planted anti live seeds are, are going to, uh, germinate against TGL too. So I do think they're going to have more headwinds than they, they probably should, but, it, but it's like, look, this is the environment you created to try to defend your product. That was a losing battle from the beginning. Anybody with a brain saw that this was not going to end well for that <laughs> particular argument. It just wasn't. So. You know, I do think that um, all of these things, new things, are only going to increase the sort of global footprint of golf. Like, I love simulator golf. Like, honestly, I like simulator golf maybe even more than, like, getting out on a regular golf course because I just play way better in a simulator. I just do. Like, I, I my score, you would be shocked at how good some of my, my scores are in the simulator where I would shoot. Now, I don't want to toot, toot my own horn here, but um, on the front nine at St. Andrews, I shot 28. Um, at Torrey Pines from the very, very back tees, I shot six, 63. Guess what? I'm not doing that in real life. <laughs> so, um, no, but I, I do think that um, I've known enough people that, that have played simulator golf. Um, and like I grew up kind of being a video game junkie when I was a kid. And... <laughs> You know, being able to sort of combine those two worlds of video games and golf, like two of the things that I grew up uh, sort of loving and sort of gravitating to. Like, I know that like a lot of these kids that are not part of these fancy clubs and country clubs, like they're just regular kids that maybe get on a public golf course a few times a year. Like if you do have these simulators that are a little bit more accessible where they could go there with their their friends it's like an after school thing like i could see there there being clubs at schools that are like simulator golf clubs like that's 
certainly looking into the future five, 10 years, I 100% think that that's on the table. I think that there's so many of the, these places that are currently being constructed. Um, I think that TGL is going to tap into that. And I think it helps them substantially that they're going to be on these very big networks here in the United States that, you know, I wish that uh, sort of live could sort of tap into a little bit more because I think that the more exposure it gets um, on those more traditional networks, the more interest is going to be uh, galvanized. And look, um, I love CW. Like I have been touting them ever since they started broadcasting live, <laughs> but I will say it's not an ideal situation. Like you want to be able to broadcast every event live, no matter what time of day it's on, uh, having this sort of tape delay thing for the international events. I just, I don't see that as, as being a, a viable solution for the long term. Like I really do think that you have to sort of figure some, something else out, uh, which I think that they, they will. I've already sort of been tapped into some of the things going going on at Live, talking to uh, various executives when I was boot, boots on the ground in Miami. They are still one of the great analogies. One of the uh, executives told me was that you know Live has been like a they have been building the airplane while flying it the last year and a half. Like they're not even close to tapping into their their full potential. They've had so many headwinds the last year and a half, mostly caused by the PJ Tour and its partners. Um, I, I wrote a whole piece on on that. It's been a running theme in some of my writing. That if, if you want to go to my Twitter profile and check uh, check it out, feel free. You know. They've had so many headwinds. And now that those things are being cleared out, all these barriers are being cleared out. Like now they can really start to supercharge the tour to sort of galvanize interest. And I think a lot of this negativity is going to go away uh, as we we just go through time. Like I think that that's 100% the case and it's going to uh, going to happen in the next couple of years. So Again, we'll we'll have to see how uh, how, how things pan out, uh, but I do think that um, it's part of the reason why I also wrote a piece. Like, even if there's a part of professional golf you don't like, if you don't like live, you don't like the TGL, you don't like the PJ Tour, that's totally fine. You just can't be super negative about it. That's going to maybe turn somebody else off to it that may potentially like it because you just don't want to be a barrier if. Uh, we can all agree that we want global golf to be as healthy and big as uh, it can be. Part of that is you just don't want to be a barrier to entry for other people. So because there's so many entry points now to golf um, and it's only going to increase. So you being negative about any part of that isn't helping things. It's just not. So I just want everybody to keep that in mind as we continue to move forward. I think that's a really important thing that people need to keep in mind. And it's something that I've been keeping in mind for the last uh, three, four months. Like I've been trying my best not to be negative about, about the PJ tour. I really have. Um, I fail a lot of those times because I am so frustrated by some of the things that the PJ tour has done, some of the things that they continue to do, some of the lies, some of the just things that really, really grind my gears. So, um, and I think some of that's going to be resolved when new leadership comes in and sort of has a whole nother sort of vibe. It's a little bit more, um, it just clearing out some of this culture that that's just rotten uh, at the PJ tour, I think is going to be the healthiest thing for a global golf as a whole. So hopefully that's going to be, uh, you know, one of those barriers that, that gets removed. And um, in the in the future, we're, we're, we're going to be living in a much, much better golf world. Fingers crossed. And I'm sure it will shake out. I think 2024 will be a bit of a pivotal year. I think now that, uh, as you said, now that some of the live, uh, you know, it, it's, it's funny. You look at the timing of like when the Premier Golf League disappeared or, or the notion of it disappeared. And then suddenly how quick live came about. There's no surprise that they've been, you know, flying the plane while building it. That's absolutely no surprise. Um, and, and as someone that, you know, to, to equate this to like the startup world, 
been in that for a long time and that's 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 what you do and you know if you've got if you've got the backing of 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 a fund of that size you can do that at a much greater scale but you still face teething problems it's just they're way more public and that i think we've seen that and it's i think that's a really um i think that's a really useful mindset to keep is that actually you know this is almost like an alpha now let's get to beta and then we'll Let's, let's see where the product goes. Let's finish up on the rumor mill, my friend. We, uh, we've we all seen it today as we're recording. I would like to personally thank John Ram for saving this until the day that we record. Uh, it's, uh, it's a real pleasure. <laughs> so thank you, John. Um, he's pulled out of, it really is. It really is, man. So we, we, he's pulled out of the TGL. Um, we've seen some of the teams get galvanized a little bit. There's still a couple more to be announced. I think there's one more team to be, be announced and then the full rosters of the teams. We know GT, uh, JT's been placed. Morikawa was at LAGC. Um, we've seen Rory and Terrell today has been announced at being at Boston. And, uh, you know, he's starting to take shape now. But one notable absence now then is John Ram. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. Ben was tweeting this. Go and check it out at Golf Lover UK. He was saying he was implying he's going to live. And I'm not going to lie, mate. I tweeted him and I said, no chance. No chance. Um, and no. Yeah, I, I was. I'm, I could be way wrong. I was wrong about Cam Smith. Like one of my guys, yeah, Kieran, you? was like, he was. He's going. I'm like, fucking not going, mate. That's bullshit. <laughs> and then he went. But my. Yep. But so I read into this. Right, I basically read into this that you know we don't have Scheffler in the TGL. Um, if you yeah, Rams pulled out, but no one's saying well Scheffler's going to live because he's not on the TGL. It, so that was that was my initial logic, and then I started to think about it a bit more, and I just thought, well, Ram's got a kid. I've I've got a, a kid that's like two years old. I get the whole you've got to be a bit close to home if you play in the weekend. You've got some tournaments to defend. Um, you're in the peak of the career where you just come off the back of a Masters win. You are going to probably want to prepare for a year of majors, a little bit like Vic, in my opinion, Hovland. You know, you know, I just read that as it might be just too much of a commitment. I could be completely wrong and you have got way more insight than me. So what what's your take on this, man? Yeah. So there's been a lot going on with John Rahm. There's been a lot going on with, with a few players uh, that I've heard. And look, a lot of this is speculation, but a lot of this is, look, people that are very tied into these situations that, feel very, very, very confident that John Rahm is going to live. Now, I don't feel necessarily that confident. Um, although, look, I, I know the, these sources and they're pretty like they're pretty strong. So uh, so me, what I'm doing is I'm taking all the information that, that I have. I'm looking at John Rahm's statements, what he said before. I'm also looking at the future of golf, like we've already talked about with this potential global series of events and sort of all these things that are potentially out there in the ether that are going to happen in golf. John Rahm obviously won the masters. He's got his major exemptions. The next five years minimum, he's in the masters for life. If I'm John Rahm and I am sort of tied into what the future of golf is going to be, which I didn't know six months ago when he made all these statements about live and sort of, I wouldn't call them necessarily negative statements, but they were basically saying all the reasons why he wasn't going to go. Knowing what the the future of professional golf is going to potentially look like, there is a lot of things that have changed in a few months' time that are going to continue to change. So I can see a scenario where John Rahm sees that and is like, hmm, maybe it behooves me to get a little bit more serious about potentially going to live because I know he's got Sergio in his ear. I know he's got Phil in his ear. He's got a lot of guys at live that are in his ear 24 seven about this stuff. Maybe not 24 seven, but very, very frequently <laughs> that are constantly feeding him in, in, um, information. And John Rahm is also really big in the global golf. Like he, he loves going home to Spain. He loves sort of participating in, in sort of Spanish golf. Does he really love being on the PJ Tour? I don't think that he does. Like, I feel like he enjoys particular events, just like a lot of the guys at Live. We've talked talked about Bryson. We talked about Brooks. We talked about Phil. We talked about a variety of guys that still love some of those legacy PJ Tour events. Except 
maybe we are looking at a future golf where you're still able to play all of those legacy events that you love. You're still able to play all the majors. Um, and in addition to that, you're playing in this global golf series that includes live events too. So if you're seeing all of that and you, and you realize, Oh, you know, I can still do everything that I want to do in golf. I could still play in the waste management. I could still play, in various PJ two, I can still play in Riviera, all those places that I love to play. And you're going to tell me that I'm going to be $300 million richer. And you're telling me that I can also go home to Valderrama. That's going to be like my home course for my team. And I get to play the Spanish open and I'm going to make a ton more money on top of it. You would be silly to just say, oh, no, forget all the forget everything that you're telling me, like, I'm not even going to consider it. If I'm a smart man and I know John Rahm is very, very astute. I'm listening to all this and my interest is peaked. So, again, none of this is guaranteeing it's going to happen. I'm just sort of laying the sort of groundwork for everybody here about what's going on in golf. John Rahm sees all this. He's tied into all the right people. The people that I've talked to that are pretty convinced that he's going are very tied into the golf agency world, which is very a very, very important thing. So we'll have to see how, how uh, John Rahm uh, pans out the next few months. I'm still on the fence. We'll, we'll have to see how things actually play out. But I do have a couple other names for the rumor mill for, for you guys that are a little bit more i probably say they're closer to happening than not. One of those names that I have sort of thrown out uh, on Twitter re- recently has been Tony Finau. Now, oh, I heard that as well today, mate. I heard yeah, that as did well you? today, mm-hmm. literally. Today, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's an interesting, interesting. he's an interesting case. Um, and again, let me, let me sort of lay the groundwork for people here. Tony Finau, obviously, is a very popular player on the PJ Tour. He's made a fair amount of money. Like he's got really, really good endorsement deals, all that stuff. Nike and, and uh, paying and others. One of the things that people need to look at, and you you can Google this. You you can look look it up. Uh, he is currently in some legal matters with former agents and managers that are looking for money from him. Uh, you know, basically be- because he decided to sign with with another agent, another management, and they're looking for um, uh, basically restitution from him that it sounds like the case is not going to go his way. So he's looking at potentially shelling out millions of dollars out of his own pocket. Now, if I'm Tony Finau and I'm like, man, I've I've got this lawsuit, but I also have this potential option where I can get... million from live. Like I got to look into that. Like if I am a family man and I care about the future of my family, like, why would you not look at that? Like the, uh, and I know this for a fact with, with Tony, his family and his family situation is more important to him than anything. It's more important than playing in majors. It's more important than his world ranking. It's more important than his legacy on the PGA tour. None of that stuff matters more than his family does and that sort of family situation. So if I have that option to potentially go to live and make some life-changing money, which he he could still do very well for himself on the PJ Tour, the thing that I have learned a little bit more about golfers' contracts with their agents is that a lot of their on-the-course earnings, they're not paying that to their agents and, and managers. They're the agents and managers are basically getting 0% of that money, except they're getting a larger percentage of off-course uh, endorsements and things like that. Now, if you go to live, a lot of those endorsements kind of go out the window, and you're looking at entirely on-course earnings that he gets to basically keep all for himself. <laughs> so that's where I think people need need to sort of look look into that a little bit deeper. I think that there's something to that rumor mill. I think that I would be shocked if Tony Finau wasn't uh, on live next year. I definitely think that that's a possibility, but 
again, it's not like I've talked to Tony and he's told, told me 100%. I am uh, doing what I do. I am analyzing the landscape. I am also listening to what people are telling me and I'm reading the tea leaves and I'm looking at sort of the way the wind is blowing. And that seems like that's that would make a ton of sense to me that he's he's going to go to live. So again, we'll have to see how that uh, plays out here in the next few months. But I, th- I think that that's some, something people need need to de- definitely look at. And I hope it happens because I'm a Tony Finau fan. And I think he'd be great on live. He'd be amazing on live. Yeah, he would. He's got the person personality for it, hasn't he? I, I think that one of the interesting questions that I've got then off the back of that is, do, do you think that a way... I don't want to say a way back to the PGA Tour, but a way for uh, the, the two to coexist and a, a pathway for them. I don't want to say pick and choose because I don't think it's as simple as that, but a pathway for players like Finau and Ram, Ram in particular, to continue to build a legacy around the PGA Tour. Do you think it? someone like Ram going to live, do you believe that it's contingent on that pathway existing? Uh, I think that's an important. I think that's an important point. I think it's something that is very sort of critical to his uh, decision make, making process. I don't think there's any question about it. Um, and I think that that's the reason why, um, if things are changing with John Rom, that's the primary reason because, you know, there's this saying that a lot of the PJ Tour players have been saying about uh, live players that you can't have your cake and eat it too. Like, I think that these players are going to have their cake and they're going to be able to eat it too. So I think that that is 100% because that's the best thing for the health of the game. Like the, the worst thing for the health of the game would be continuing these bans on these players that went to live that I think are totally ridiculous if you are trying to grow golf and make it as big as it can be. I just don't think that that's the way to go. So I think that the powers that be know this, especially if they are going to be making the PJ tour, they're going to be creating this, uh, what I call um, umbrella corporation, AKA Nuco, AKA PJ tour enterprises. Again, I'm calling it uh, umbrella corporation. Um, if you are going to have this thing as a for-profit entity, that changes every beca- um, everything because now everything is about uh, what are you doing to in, uh, increase eyeballs? What are you doing to increase um, interest in the game? What are you doing to increase money being funneled to these tours, to the players? Like all of those things are in play now. And I think that the bands are one thing that is just totally goes against uh, if you're trying to be a for-profit uh, company, you just can't do that. So so I th- I think that the more the information about what global golf is going to look like in the next couple of years starts to leak out to the players and things get a little bit closer to being agreed upon with these, the merger and everything that go, goes on. Like if they get to this critical point where everybody realizes, Oh yeah, this is definitely going to happen. This is the way it's going to be. Like, I think that that's going to open things up. And I do think that there, we're going to see virtually every single big name player that's on the, a PJ tour within two years, probably by 2026, they will almost all be playing in at least a few live events. I don't think there's any question about it in my mind. Um, and that doesn't mean they, they can't continue to play on the PJ tour. I think that they're all going to be working in lockstep. I think it's all going to be under one umbrella. Like, are they going to be um, able to play in every single event? No, because there's going to be too many events and nobody's going to, going to want, want to play 35 events uh, you know, in the future. So they are going to have to pick and choose a little bit. But um, I think that everybody has their priorities. I think that everybody has to figure that out for themselves. Um, and for some people, those priorities are going to align more with the sort of live side. And other players are going to align more with the PJ Tour side like Rory and Tiger. Interesting stuff. We will see what comes. I think Finau is a shout and we'll see what happens with Mr. John Ram. We're going to stick a pin in it. Actually, my friend, we could talk about this all day long, but we should probably <laughs> save a little bit for when Ben gets back. So always good to chat, but we'll, uh, I'll see you. Well, I'll see, see you as normal next week. We'll be back into the rhythm next week. <laughs> 
That sounds good. Yeah, we we could literally talk about this stuff for hours. Uh, but again, I'm really excited about about things and uh, excited to continue the conversation. Excited to get Ben back uh, in the mix next week. I know he's hanging out with his family in Florida, sort of doing a whole U.S. tour. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna before everything is said and done, we're gonna turn him into golf lover U.S. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see how that pans out. No, look, looking forward to getting getting uh, him back and fold next week we'll we'll be back with ben next week and thank you the ever present listener for joining us this week it's always a pleasure if you have any opinions on this is john ram indeed going to head over to the live camp what about mr fino himself the green power ranger as we saw on twitter this week is he heading over to live as well do let us know on twitter at glu golf club and tell your friends if you enjoy this podcast that they can also tune in in their podcast app of choice or at glugc.com until next week enjoy yourself stay cool see you soon bye-bye